0: FFM Productions presents Two Wild Orchids.
1: Not your mother's podcast. See, I love what I do because I get to make friends like you. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. Are you as excited as I am?
0: I'm (laughs) so excited that you're willing to talk about cock publicly. (laughs) 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 It's fantastic because most people are like, oh no, I can't ever discuss that. It must be penis. Oh, for God's (laughs) sakes. Oh, no, 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 no,
1: no. Yeah, that's not what guys call it. I've never had a man say, watch my penis get hard.
0: Oh, yeah. Would you please do this to my penis? (laughs) No. I'm Sean Lee. I'm Chris.
1: And he is with me today on the Two Wild Orchids, the place you come for sex and fun. So if you've been listening, you already know what we're going to talk about. Guys, this is as much for you as ladies it is for you. I am having the pleasure of sitting with Christopher Lovestone. Like who's not your name alone, right? It's like somebody being named bliss and running a bliss party. Okay, the fact that your last name is Lovestone, and actually, I never use my last name publicly, but it is Cochrane. So,
0: so. Oh, isn't that fun? <laughs> Maybe change the spelling a little bit there. Just, just,
1: just a little tweak here and there.
0: <laughs> C-O-C-K-R-U-N.
1: Yeah, mm. so it, we could, well, cock Ring. there's a lot of things oh, I can play with. Oh, there it, you go. Right? But in any case, Chris is here with me because he has written the book, Conscious Cock. And I said to him, I love the title, and he said, you are among the minority. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> Now, Chris, what made you write this book?
0: I've never found kind of how-to manual for being a man as a sexual being, where it it included understanding women and (laughs) communication tools and intimacy tools and modern sex education and pleasure techniques. There's nothing out there like that. Sex education, what do you get? Don't get her pregnant and don't get any STDs. Like, that's all you get in high school. That's all I got. Or porn. Or porn. What do you learn about that? Oh, how to be a jackrabbit or a pile driver. You don't learn anything about actually connecting with your heart or connecting with her mind or getting or her accessing. <laughs> There's <laughs> such a failure of that to be good education. It's definitely not intimacy education. And then communication tools. Who did I see demonstrating good communication techniques when I was growing up? No one. It was all passive aggressive, snarky shit that would just lead to dysfunctional bitterness just and that was supposed to be normal no 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 no. so like i have studied these things my entire life because i want to have and do have now i've won a long-term hot juicy successful relationship that's going to stand the test of time you know like until i die until she dies like our full life like we actually cut our hands and put our hands together. like We meant it with our souls, like the level of commitment. Like we, I used to call that blood. I remember when I
1: was younger, they called that blood
0: brothers or something like that. Something like, like that. Right, yeah. right. We're blood mates. We're blood lovers or blood, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, like I've really wanted that in my own life. And I, I figured out how to do it. And I had to erase all the rules for the relationship game that I was given as I was growing up because they all are destined for failure. They cause you to fail. They're rigged for failure. The only people that win are the cheaters. You cheated the game, then you win. Anyway, so I said, screw all this. Fuck it all. It's rigged for our failure. Let me figure out a different way, right? Rules that actually can work to get what you really want, which is like intimacy, deep pleasure, actual connection and understanding and respect, you know, Mm -hmm. authenticity, like transparent, all these things. So now I put it into a
1: book because guys need help. (laughs) They're stuck. Between a rock and a hard place. They don't know what to do. They're in paralysis. You're so right. So my audience, which by the way, guys, if you want to see the video version of this, make sure to get over to the Two Old Orchids group and get the membership site. The video will be there. But this is the audio that everyone is listening to on the podcast. But one of the things that I know about men particularly is they are 60% of my audience and 40% are women. I always thought that was really unique with what I do. But what I'm curious about is the things that you taught. So I really want to kind of go, if you don't mind, go into some of the book. Like, I love the fact that you wrote it, but I really want to talk about some of the elements of it that I found fascinating as a woman, as a wife. So my show, a lot of us are monogamous, but there's a big portion of us, myself included, where we are consensually non-monogamous. So we have lots of relationships. And so this is an interesting design for me. So you talked about the penis very early on. And ladies, if you're listening, I really want you to go home and tell your husband this. You made a really strong statement about why most people end up in a nursing home. And a lot yeah. of my people are over 35. So if you would talk about why men end up in nursing homes and how they can help with that, which is in the book, by the way, I really would love for them to hear that.
0: I used to work in a nursing home. I was going to be a doctor and I worked in a whole bunch of different types of facilities as I was shadowing different care providers to try to figure out what did I want to specialize in. I ended up turning away from my life in medicine and going into education, sex education specifically. But I did a lot of time in nursing homes and hospitals and stuff like that. Anyway, so in the nursing homes, I saw so many men and women, doesn't matter what your gender is, that were in the homes at like 60, 70. Wow. You know, you would think maybe nursing home, I don't know, 80, 90, that just, just, just yeah, 80, base 90. principle without any analysis. But why were they there? Because they couldn't keep from wetting their underwear. They couldn't hold their bladders. So it's fine in all aspects of life. They could walk up downstairs, they could drive and all this stuff, but they couldn't hold their bladders anymore. And as I learned about this, I learned it's because they have lost tonicity or strength, okay, of their pelvic muscles, the pelvic floor muscles, which is what keeps you from peeing. It's what you squeeze when you want to stop peeing or get that last little squirt out before you stand up or something like that. Yeah, we wouldn't Um, call them kegels. Yeah, kegels is one way to say it, or PC muscle, uh, pubococcygeal. It's the muscle that goes from your pubic bone to your coccyx, which is your tailbone, and it holds everything up and inside of you. And if you don't exercise that, it's just like if you don't exercise your biceps over time, they get flaccid, they get weak. You can't lift things as strong anymore you can't hold your bladder. So guys, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s and like after you're peeing, you're like dribbling a drop or two and you're like, "Ah, can I stop yet? Can I like put my cock back in my pants yet?" But no, there's still another drop or two left. Like it's because you're losing tonicity of your PC
1: muscles. Oh my goodness. So that I didn't read in the if that was in the book, I missed that part completely, but I really like that because as I think about the number of times I've been at people's houses, you know, like who have boys or whatever, you see that. You see little dribbles you know, or even their husbands you know, and I can oh, remember a girlfriend little of boys, they run away before they're done. Right. Okay. I, know, I, I, get, I get that part <laughs> of it, but it's certainly an interesting thing right. as a woman, we wouldn't think it's any different because we had children who did it. So it's really important to, to recognize as the men get older, that's a different reason they're having dribbles. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's that.
0: the same muscles that contract when we're having an ejaculatory orgasm that squirt the semen out of our penis. Like, you know, and when you're in your in your teenage years or in your twenties, like those contractions are really strong and <laughs> a single squirt spurt. I'm not trying to be graphic here, but I do want to be clear can go maybe three feet Did you know because it was, the muscles you know are travels so at 28 miles an hour. It just, bam, you know, you think about how toned you are when you're in your twenties. And then you think about somebody who's in their forties or fifties, they're not so toned anymore. And maybe it goes out like five inches or something. And it gets less and less. And it can get to the point where it's just it seeps out or it oozes out. It's no longer really pleasurable because you don't get that awesome
1: bam every second of another contraction. You know, so So I'm going to pause you on that because I just want to make sure because I have a lot of things I want to talk to you about. And I want to make sure that I cover the things that I thought were most fascinating. So when people pick up your book. So I love the part about the fact that by doing the PC exercises, Kegels is what women call them, it will help with that. But one of the other things you talked about was the consistency of playing with your penis, let's language it this way, of really making sure you're consistently having erections, even if you're single, even if your wife's not giving you sex, because it keeps those cells really fluid and and, and, and nourished. nourished. And I hadn't even thought about that, but I do know that part of my audience has talked to me about they're in sexless marriages. And so in my brain, it's like, if you don't use it, you lose it. You do. And if you're not masturbating, even if you're not having sex with a woman, this is, or a man or whoever, whatever your preference is then that's something you still need to be doing just so your penis stays strong, just so your muscles stay strong. Yeah, we want to talk about sexual function health.
0: Let's say you're single or in a sexless marriage or something like that. You're just not having much sexual activity. If you don't use it, you do lose it. There's PC muscle health, like the tonicity of the pelvic floor that we just talked about. But then there's also the tissues of the skin and the subskin, subcutaneous tissues, of the penis that need to be nourished by all the hormones and vitamins and minerals and all, the, all the, the biological components that your blood delivers to all tissues in your body. Your blood is the delivery system for nutrition to your body. And if you don't nourish the tissues of the penis, they are malnourished. So like blood sense. flow creates nourishment. You want a healthy tissue, you give it blood flow. Like you ever get a knot in your shoulder? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to make that healthy. You massage it. You get some blood flow in there. So for example, smoking decreases the health of your skin and your erectile tissues, and it actually causes your cock to reduce in size because it can't inflate as much with the blood. It doesn't become as elastic anymore. So it's so interesting to me. You understand. need to have so orgasms. Many men don't know this. You have to have orgasms. Guys, you have to have orgasms because that keeps your prostate functioning and soft and healthy. And if you don't have orgasms, at least one a week, like over time, your prostate gets hard, really hard. And like you can lead to prostate cancer. So like I advocate consistent sexual activity,
1: even if it's just masturbating you you, the orgasm, right? you know, for your I entire advocate life, for consistent sexual activity all the time, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Okay. So as we go through this, because you didn't only, I want to be very clear, because I know we've covered some medical stuff because I just wanted to get that off the table. I thought it was real fascinating. It was things I didn't know. And so anytime I learned something new, I feel compelled to share it. But then you talked more in your book, because the name of your book is Conscious Cock, and so you talked about things, but you knew about women. I got to tell you, if you're listening, there was an infographic, I, that's the best word I can put it, of a cycle of women. Like week one, this is how she's going to feel. Week two, this is how she's going to feel. Week three, this is, she's getting a little cranky. you know. Or how, but actually, it was week one and four, just for the record, I did read it. But you actually laid out for men, and this to me was male gold, of what happens to a woman in the whole month of her cycle, when she's happy, when she's going to get cranky, when she's going to start feeling better. I thought that was real powerful. And so my question is, how'd you figure that out? <laughs> like I didn't know it, and I have a vagina. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: I've spent a lot of time with women in my entire life, raised by my grandmother and my mother, spent a lot of time with them as an adolescent and a teenager. And then as an adult, I went to the school of education to become a teacher four years. And that's 90% women in the educational field, especially high school teachers. And then after that, I went to massage school, 90% of massage therapists were women. Like I've spent a lot of time around women in their communities. Even when the high school I went to was in the convent of the Sacred Heart. And there's only two schools in the convent of Sacred Heart that allow boys in, in the entire world. Out of all the hundreds of them, they're all girls only, except for two. I got to go to one of them. So I've spent a lot of time with women growing up and I understand them intuitively. I just get them. But then I also have studied human anatomy and physiology and sexual function and reproductive function and all these things for years, I was going to be a doctor. And, you know, most recently in the last five years, I got a period tracking app on my phone, man. I wanted to track my wife's cycle because like, you know, I was getting a little bit bewildered, you know, like what's going on here? (laughs) So, and the period tracking apps are great because they have little pop-ups that say, oh, you know, ovulation is going to happen in three days or you're entering your follicular phase and then they educate you about these things. You're like, oh, you might want to do some more self-care because you might be feeling sensitive right now. Something like that.
1: (laughs) I don't Um, have a period tracker. I didn't even know they existed. Apparently I'm not paying (laughs) enough attention. So,
0: (laughs) Well, I advocate that guys get a period tracking app on their phone and they use it to understand
1: their partner
0: because you don't want to plan a hot date for the night of the month when she's going to want to be at home. Like,
1: With a hot water bottle on her her cramps, like watching a chick flick. That's a really strong point. Even if you have a girlfriend, like you're not married. I love this idea of learning when they're going to cycle because, for example, I'm openly polyamorous. And I know that my partner has a different person that he plays with. And they had this big night planned. And she sent him a message and she's like, Mother Nature hates us. But it would have been interesting had they both had the tracker, for example. They could have tracked it better and planned their evening better. And so uh, that's a really strong point. I'd never even considered that. All right. So when we're talking about penis health and women's hormones, what I really loved was when you, you may have listened to my show before. There's a guy I have on the show pretty frequently. His name is uh, Charles Black. He has a website and a bunch of other things called the Dawn of Desire. And so I call him panty dropper because that guy, like he'll make anybody's panties drop. But the point of that is to say that when panty dropper came on, one of the things he talks about was really making sure that guys are ready for sex and that the guys have done a good job of preparing her for sex. So as I was reading your book, there was this wonderful section about how men should handle their penises with women. And I just want to read it because I thought it was funny. I laughed. I was drinking something and it ended up on my table. It made me laugh so <laughs> Okay, here's what it says. He says, I'm going to say it anyway. Nobody wants to suck on a grungy cock that smells like piss and sweat with two days buildup of dead cells around the head. If you want your woman to go down on you and fuck your brains out, you better make sure penis hygiene is the top of your concerns because a clean cock is the best chance of getting some action. Like straight. That is so fucking true. We do (laughs) not. Because ball smell smells like like I don't want to go down there if somebody's got sweaty balls. Uh, That's just not my thing. Okay. I don't want to go down there if you've just pooped because you have butt smell. Okay. you should always be clean. If a woman is going to put her face anywhere near your body, you should always be clean, guys. And this is a panty dropper lesson I thought was brilliant. Make sure your fingernails are clean. She doesn't want you rooting around her vagina with dirty fingernails. Sorry, I will get off my soapbox now and get back to the conscious cock. But that's a really strong point for men. Gotta talk about
0: it. That's why it's in the beginning of the book is guys, we gotta talk about hygiene. Gotta talk about it. If you want hot sex, if you want her to relax with you, you gotta take care of things like warts on your hands or calluses or sharp fingernails. You know, you've gotta smell okay. You can't wear... five-year-old underwear and expect that she's going to get all hot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, you got to take a little care and pride in yourself. Okay. There's this effort mismatch. Women put a lot of effort into their bodies, their appearance, so their funny, life. True. Like, And guys often, and generalizations here, it's a stereotype, put in almost no effort. And that creates this dynamic where the woman feels like she's taking care of a boy because he's not taking care of himself. He never yes. grew up. Yes. like she wants a man. She doesn't want a boy. She doesn't want to father you. Yes. She wants a man that's on the same level, takes care of his health, got his, all of his business in order and can meet her as an equal. That's fucking hot.
1: That's fucking, hot. Yes, <laughs> that's fucking 100%. hot. It's interesting that you say that because one of the things that we've talked about a lot on our show is like an orgasm gap, which is the space between the time that they come and the space, the time that we come. Right. By the way, he says in the, in the book, I shouldn't say he, but Chris, you said in the book, that the average time of sex is three minutes. I don't know who you're fucking, but I got to tell you when I said that to some of my people, they're like, we fuck for longer than that. But again, I have a, well, you're in the
0: CNM community, which is more embodied conscious sexuality community.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about
0: Joe average. That's astonishing. Like Kansas, you know, like,
1: but you're right. There's a difference between the effort that women go to, because I was talking about this just on last show that guys, there's a belief when women get in the mirror, they should, they look at everything that's wrong with them. You know, my butt's mm. too big, my nose is too whatever, whatever it is they're having, right? And guys get in the mirror and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> looking pretty good here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, whatever it is, like your belly, your ass, whatever it is, you know, it's like you just forgot that you used to take care mm-hmm. of yourself in your teenage years, you fucking cared. But then it's like you forgot. And it's so interesting to me. I love that language that you just use the, the effort gap. I really yep. like that because it's so true. And it goes to
0: lots of different aspects of our relationship. It's not just physical appearance. It also can be like, how much effort do you put into keeping your bedroom a lovely place oh, that is so conducive true. to relaxation and intimacy? How much effort do you put into keeping your home a place where you can both put your concerns and your worries down? Yes. Yeah. Like. If you just let your home be a chaos and there's shit everywhere, trash is piling up, bills are all over the place. Like You can't relax into these higher states of intimacy and ecstasy because there's so much stuff on your mind, so much, many worries on your shoulders. So there's an effort gap there in many different ways. And we can change that just by shining a little bit of consciousness on it, putting the light on it and saying, okay, let's put some effort in here. Yeah. Let's get some new sheets on the bed. Let's do the laundry and put it away you know, let's do the dishes. Let's get a babysitter. Let's hire somebody to come in and clean, whatever the hell it is. Let's get some new furniture, like whatever it might be to beautify your space.
1: So what I loved was you talked about the, and I want to cover negativity discussions here in just a second, but what it was bringing up for me as you were talking was like my husband and I, for example, I like call them games we play, right? So here's the deal. I don't unload the dishwasher. It's my thing right? But I will load the dishwasher. So we have this nice balance between us where here's how we're going to do this so that that space is clean. So it's not falling all on my shoulders or all in his shoulders and nobody's feeling like they're taken advantage of in that space. So I loved what you said about that because when I think about men and their communication skills, you talked about the unsaid things. Could you kind of expand on that a little bit? Because I think that was really powerful uh, me as I read it. Is it.
0: Probably one of the most foundational concepts that I teach is that most of us live a life that we're expected to be doing by other people or we feel that other people have expectations for who we're supposed to be oh father or boyfriend or a husband or a son or you know whatever it might be we wear these masks to try to fulfill other people's expectations in there is a gap a lack of us being really real about ourselves to other people like you could say maybe most people don't share their true inner fantasies with their partner for fear of judgment And dismissal by their partner. I don't want her to think I'm a dirty old man, so I'm not going to share this fantasy I've had my entire life, for example. Or maybe there's something in your past that you did, or an experience that you had that you're ashamed of or afraid to talk about. You don't know how to bring it up. Or maybe there's something that your partner does that pisses you off, but you don't want to bring it up because you're afraid like they're going to go ballistic on you. Whatever it might be, if there's things inside of us that we don't communicate, and by not communicating them, we don't create a relationship. Of two real authentic people being in real authentic relationship with each other, what we create is a relationship of two actors acting parts with each other. So if you learn the toolkit of how to bring up things that are hard to bring up in a way that reduces the likelihood of it causing a blow up or making them feel hurt or judged, you know, then you have a higher likelihood, a higher chance of actually moving towards what you want in your life. So you can bring up your dreams, you can bring up your desires, you can bring up things that your partner does that you don't like. You know, Learning these tools of bringing up the things that we leave unsaid can create movement in a positive direction. And I have to say, as a caveat, if you're in a safe place, if you're in a safe relationship, if you're in a place where you're not going to be harmed or hurt or harassed or something like that, because there's lots of relationships where it is not safe to bring up something that you don't like about your partner, you're going to get hit or you're going to get Whatever, stonewalled or yeah. gaslit or projected on or something like that. So I teach tools in here of how to help create safe spaces to bring up difficult conversations and have those things so that they move in a positive direction where you co-create an outcome for yourselves. Like in the back of the book, the yes, no, maybe exercise is a fun, playful version of this where like maybe your relationship's gotten dull in COVID, <laughs> you know, pressure cooker of being in the house with each other. 24 hours a day for a year, and you're kind of like losing the spark, you know? Well, you can bring up your idea that I would like us to kind of rekindle that spark. And I don't know how to do it, but I'd like to find out what you're interested in. And I'd like to bring out what I'm interested in and see if there's any overlap so that we can come up with some new
1: ideas, some new inspiration. You know, I loved all that. It's interesting because as we, as we tied, where I went in my brain is where we tied ourselves in that effort gap, right? And that same idea that men don't speak, because I think that's a fair stereotypical statement. Like I know there's outliers and everything, right? There are women who don't talk, but as a by and large, women are more comfortable discussing their feelings. By and large, right. men are less comfortable, like just as a basic stereotype. And so I have a theory. I have lots of shawnee theories. Welcome <laughs> to my world. There's mm-hmm. no property taxes here. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever notice that most guys get a big belly as they get older? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a theory on this, guys. This is a shawnee ism. I have no evidence. I have no scientific proof. This is one of my isms and you love my isms. So my theory is that it's unspoken word. Your solar plexus chakra is where your your self-worth is housed. And so the more things, the more times you don't speak up for yourself, the more times that you don't hold yourself in a space of beauty or that you swallow your words rather than starting a fight, rather than speaking your truth. Your belly gets bigger. Here's my theory, because it's protecting that solar plexus, that self-worth. It's almost like your belly gets bigger, your body gets bigger to hide that. Self loathing from the world. And so I'm always fascinated by men who are fairly well built in all other areas, but have that belly thing going on. That some call it a beer belly, you can call it what you want. But in my mind, it's that space of not letting you be you that causes that. So, what do you think? There's my Shawneeism of the day.
0: No, I don't know. I got a little beer belly there. Not too much, <laughs> I but I do. And I, I speak my truth. Like, so. the <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm the
1: outlier. <laughs> right? But, you know, in my, that's again, it's a shawneeism. I own, I own my space of crazy when I have it. But in my brain, if that's how we're providing for ourselves and the people in our lives to not speak, where else would the words and the energy go? So I love that you're giving people tools to say, hey, here's how we have this conversation. Here's how I can fully acknowledge that. I love tools. I build tools. They're also. so
0: easy to learn. This is what I love to do. I don't want to teach somebody something that they have to practice for half an hour a day for 10 years to master. No, I want to give you a tool that's going to make a huge life change for you. That's going to last forever for the rest of your life. And it's simple to learn and so easy
1: to learn that you can pass it on and teach your friend, et cetera. So just some simple communication tools. Hello. So tell me one that wasn't, because I'm going to link the book in the show notes, Conscious, Comment, yeah, great. To make sure that if anybody wants to pick up a copy. And by the way, thank you so much for providing me and my assistant with a copy because we sure appreciated it. And the candy, it came with this beautiful candy. I can you guys to tell you that it showed up in this red satin wrapping and it had two lollipops. One said lick me and one said suck me. And I was like, I'm like this guy. So thank you very much for that. But now I will make sure that somebody can go and, and get the conscious cock book. But if one of my listeners right now is going, you know, that's my life right now. I'm not, I'm not speaking up for myself. I'm not having the communication I want to have. So I'm not having the sex I want to have. Clearly mm-hmm. I need to go home and masturbate more. But what tool can I learn right here today that will help me and my wife, my partners, my multiple partners, do ourselves together better.
0: You know, there's a really foundational level step that most people skip over, but I've got to say it because none of the communication tools will work if you don't do this foundation step. It's the cornerstone. You have to be honest with yourself in your mind, not talking to anyone else, but just in your head. You have to be honest with yourself about what you really like and what you really don't like. Not so hard what so you should people. like or what you shouldn't like. No, but actually accepting the truth of your preferences. You have to, in your heart, allow yourself to accept what your preferences are. No communication tool will work with a damn if you're not honest with yourself about what you want and what you don't. Pause want. on
1: that for just a second. I really want to just let the audience have a second with that because that's real powerful. I talk to myself to think. So I can see myself having this conversation, but I love that because. One of the things we talked about in one of my early, early shows was the idea that women are taught sexual pleasure from men who learned it from porn. Okay. And so, therefore, neither one of them may have any idea of what they really enjoy without that exploration. So, I really appreciate that. So, tools for It's getting real. Yeah.
0: Getting real with yourself. And you might have a void. It might be like crickets. Chirp, 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 chirp. Nothing may come up for you. And that in itself is being honest with yourself right there. And you sit with the truth of what comes up and be like, I don't know what my preferences are. I've never actually been asked.
1: And so when I've that never happens, been... what should they do? Cuz I can hear all of my guys in my head going, so that happened and now what? Yes, no, maybe exercise in the back of my book. Or you can download book. it for free on my website
0: in the download section consciouscock.com/downloads. And like it's just a <laughs> list of different activities that people like to do. Erotic activities, intimate activities, sexual activities. Oh, I like did
1: see that. Okay, I saw a hot bath, a bath with rose petals. Yeah,
0: or like a threesome, or a lots of different things there. And you just go down a list. Does anything spark anything inside of you? That's all. You just just read it. Does Does anything have any traction at all? It might give you. It might spark another idea. That's a good place to start. Another good place to start. Is with masturbation. If you don't know what you like, maybe you've never been in a situation or in relationships or spaces where your pleasure has been prioritized. So you may not know what your pleasure preferences are because you've only ever been in service to the other person or just being used.
1: Okay, and ladies, that goes for you too. Because like this is conscious cock, but very often women will do what the guy wants because that's what they've always done. That's what they did when they were teenagers. Now they're in their 30s and now they're in their 50s. I actually am working with a client who is 71 years old. She's never had an orgasm. She's 71. She was married for like 40 years. There's so many people like
0: that. There's so many people like that. It's more widespread than we know.
1: It's astonishing. It's astonishing. I had a 61-year-old come here for, I do life retreats, which is live your fantasy type of retreats. And she's 61. She didn't have one until she was 38. She told the story on the show. mm -hmm. To me, that's just amazing. So what I'm loving about this is the opportunity for men to get real with themselves in a way that isn't too, I want to say girly girly. Because lots of times the self-help books, and I love them all, I, I'm a guru junkie, but lots of times they're very um, real soft for men, less tools. And what I really liked about this was tools. And the last thing I really wanted to cover with you is something that I know that I'm guilty of. And I read it and I was like, oh, ouchies, that one was, that stung a little bit. And it was Uh the idea that the negativity that you bring to your relationship is abuse and it's toxicity in a very clear organic environment. And that kind of stung me a little bit because I I can be the first one to go, Hey, this isn't working for me, but that's my problem. And I know that. And so I appreciated your language on that is the idea that it's abuse. And so if you maybe address that, just, just briefly here for people who don't understand that concept.
0: Okay. A lot of us live and breathe in relationships where negativity is the norm and we grew up child children in relationship with where parents were in relationships where negativity was the norm judgment of the other person negative judgment constantly dragging the other person down berating them constantly having a perspective that they're not doing good enough you can love them if they get better a lot of us have never known any different. That's just normal. If you're looking on so many sitcoms, it's just this banter of people just sticking knives in each other with every response. So that is poisonous to trying to get intimacy to grow. Like If you think about planting a seed in the ground and you have a little sprout that sprout can get poisoned by lots of toxins. And negativity in the relationship will kill that growth. Every time it tries to sprout anew, it'll kill it. And eventually it just dies. You start rolling your eyes at each other. And it's like the respect in your relationship is gone. The authentic desire to form a landscape of mutual pleasure has evaporated. So if you do nothing else just stop berating your partner and take some ownership of your contributions to the landscape of your relationship and stop knocking them down. That's all, don't knock them down, they're your partner. You should try to help them build themselves up in their life. You can be the best allies you can ever have in each other's lives. There's so much potential to have a best friend, but you can't do it if you're negative about them all the time. If somebody's just negative about you, judging you all the time, do you wanna open up to them? Right? No, fuck no. You want to put your armor on. You want to get a shield up there yeah. and go to somebody else who actually treats you nice. So, why live in a relationship where you're just two people beating on each other all the time? That's dysfunction. That's using each other as punching bags. That's not going to create intimacy. You're not going to get your intimacy goals, your sexual goals ever met. Like, it's just living in pain. So, if you do nothing else, just stop being negative. Don't let yourself say, the thing that cuts them down.
1: You know, it's so funny because I've told this story before but that I had a neighbor and he would get home from work and she was so me. I would watch this poor guy walk in the door and she would jump him, like he couldn't breathe right. It was so fascinating to me. And I was like, uh-huh. what are you doing? Because it was like they forgot they were on the same team. And I think most couples forget that when they're in those heats of those craziness times in their lives, you're on the same team. You're fighting for the same thing. You're fighting for the relationship, believe it or not. That's why you're arguing. And so I really appreciated that. So Chris, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, now I know they can go to ConsciousCock.com, which again, love the title. How else can they reach you?
0: That's the best way because I get so much censorship on social media, but you can also just friend me or follow me on Facebook, just Christopher Lovestone or look up Conscious Cock. But on my website, you can get access to everything. Like even if you go to Amazon and you try to search my book name, it won't come up because the search results are censored you have to have a direct link to get to it. So go to my website and you'll get the direct link. And also, I just want to say, if anybody's interested in the book, it's a really good idea to get the audio book because then you don't have a book laying around on the table that somebody else can see. And you can listen in the privacy of your headphones about this material, unless like, you're totally comfortable having a book on the table that says conscious cock, if you're ready for that conversation in your relationship. But anyway, the audiobooks on my website. And you know, Thank you so much for oh God, helping me get so this message out there because guys are in such a hard place, between a rock and a hard place, expected to like, be awesome and bring their masculine power in the modern empowerment movement, but then being shamed and scared of being called out by Me Too and 50 years of feminism saying, oh, the patriarchy's bad. Like Guys are in a tough spot. They need a helping hand with tools that are freaking functional. So thank you for helping me get some of them out there.
1: Well, thank you for coming on because you're so right. So as a woman, I struggle with the Me Too movement from a from a woman's perspective. I think the idea was great. I think the concept was great. I think it's absolutely true and correct. And I also think there are a lot of women out there who have abused that because of it. So I'm in a tough spot with that. Can I see the, the shitty things guys did? A hundred percent. Can I see the shitty things the girls did? A hundred percent. So there's no winners in the Me Too movement, in my opinion. And there's no balance in it for sure. So I am so grateful for this because I can have a book called Conscious Cock on my desk. And I bet a lot of my listeners can as well. The whole premise of Two Wild Orchids is to unshame sex and redefine appropriate conversations. So you have helped us do that today. So thank you very much. All right, Chris. Well, then I appreciate you being here for me today. Thank you for joining us. And as we get out today, you guys know the drill, right? Until next week, I'm going to do me. You're going to do you. And together, we are always going to do a fabulous us.